Well, good morning. It's good to see you this morning. It's a rainy, kind of miserable morning by human standards this morning, but it's it's wonderful to be here. It's just wonderful, and I'm thrilled that you're here this morning. My name's Greg Montague, if you're new here, and just trust that as we work our way through some scripture this morning and look at the Bible and listen to maybe what God has to say to us from that, that that'll be a blessing to your life, and um, trust that it will. You know, there are a lot of things about Southwoods that God loves, and I occasionally uh, ponder that as well as things that maybe he feels like are broken, trying to get insight into that from him. But when I think of where we are as a church, uh, so many things about Southwoods that he loves. I mean, he loves our sincere love for people. I mean, we're not into slogans and just talking about loving people. We're more into action. And, and God is pleased by that because words are cheap and our world is filled with that. He loves our devotion to actually helping orphans. He loves our devotion to ministries among unreached people groups and that we're, we're like invested in that and not just, again, words, but with resources and people and money. And um, he loves our commitment to planning new churches, doing that in our region as well as all over the state, all over the Midwest. Loves that we're doing that. In fact, we're even partnering some globally in that. He loves our partnership with existing churches and ministries in the urban core. Uh, We could talk a lot about things that are going on in that respect. He loves our prayers. I mean, we are a praying church. It's our, our commitment for years has been we spend less time talking about praying and more time praying. Many prayer meetings in churches. Somebody gets up and talks about how important prayer is, and then you have a two-minute prayer. It's not the way we do it. God likes that. He likes that we got the heart kind of straight on that. He likes that we desire to be led by His Spirit. He likes, He loves our love for His Word. And that one in particular is significant because I think back a few years. I remember something this past week took place several years ago. On uh, one fall when I was camping and uh, doing some message planning into the future for a new year. And I was praying and I felt like God spoke to me really clearly during that era of our church's history. And this is what he said to me or what I felt like he was saying to me about us. And, and I guess this is not a scripture. It's just an inner sense of prompting of what I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to me. And it came so clearly that I actually wrote it down. And here's what, what he uh, said. Your love for my word is inadequate. You'll never experience me without my word guiding you. You'll never understand me without my word enlightening you. You'll never know me without loving my word. For my word is light and life to all who receive it. And I remember it just was so clear to me. I mean, for days after, afterwards, after I wrote it down, it was just like it was just, it was fresh in my mind and in my spirit. And I reflected on it. And that was 2010. And, and I'm happy to report that we've come a long way from where we were then. I mean, we are. We have as a church. And so, yay, Southwoods. Yay, all of you. But with that said, I still occasionally hear, or I overhear this question, How much of the Old Testament, though, really matters? 
You know, it's like the New Testament I get. I hear this from some people sometimes. The New Testament I get. How much of the Old Testament really matters? Because there's some stuff in there that makes me feel a little awkward. And, and so I end up hearing this or dialoguing with folks about that. I want you to turn in your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 3 this morning. I want to draw attention. Uh, and yes, that is in the New Testament. Some of you are thinking, yourself, well, that's in the New Testament. Was the Old Testament. You'll see. And uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Um, and I want us to look at this passage together. I want you to listen to what the Bible tells us about the usefulness, about the applicability of the Old Testament. And here's why I'm talking about this. Because right now we live in an era where the Bible is under constant assault. Have you noticed that? You can answer me. Have you noticed that? It's under constant assault. And this is the part of the Bible that gets the most assault. Okay? This is the part of the Bible. Right now they leave Jesus in the New Testament alone because the Jesus Seminar people sort of failed in their mission of completely discrediting him. Okay? You know, they, they leave prophecy alone because honestly, they just look at it. People who are unbelievers, people who are hostile towards spiritual things, look at the Old Testament and they think, or, or I mean, they read Revelation, they just go, their circuits fry, and they just think, how could anyone believe this? How could, I mean, it's just like total craziness to them because it doesn't make any sense, uh, partly because they don't know the Old Testament. But uh, this is the source of the majority of the targeting in our day. Uh, it's not all of it, but it's a big chunk of it. And it's important that we look at it some this morning. And so I just want you to hear what Scripture has to say um, about itself, about the usefulness in particular of the Old Testament. My hope is that by the end of today, you'll kind of walk out of here maybe a little better equipped, a little at least in your spirit, you'll have stronger sense of where you stand and why on Scripture, okay? That's kind of what we're trying to do here. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. This is what the Bible tells us about, specifically, the Old Testament, okay? All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us. Now, let's just pause. How much Scripture? All. All, All Scripture is inspired by whom? God. By God and is useful to teach us what is true, and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It cor- this is part of why sometimes we read Scripture and it makes us feel squirrely inside. Because it points out what's wrong. We don't like that. Do you like that? Let's be honest. Not always, right? Not always, not always. But it does. It, if it tells you what's true, it's by definition pointing out what's not true, Right? So it just this this affects us. So it teaches us what's true, helps us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us. It doesn't just tell us what's wrong. It corrects us. It tells us you know, when we're wrong what to do. It teaches us what to do, what is right, how to do that. It's what it's all about. And it goes on and says, verse 17, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Now here's the deal. All of that was referring, are you with me, to the Old Testament. All of that was referring to the Old Testament. How is that, you say? The New didn't exist when that was written. The New new had not been compiled yet. This was written before the New Testament was even compiled and understood by 
all the believers, all the people of God. Which means, friends, every one of us needs to read. We need to know our Old Testament. We need to know this Bible. We need to trust it. We need to know the new yes. Because there are things that happen in the new that explain things from the old. And there are things that, but things that happen in the old that make no sense. In the, if you read the New Testament and you don't know the old, it makes no sense. And so it's very important that you know the Old Testament. Every one of us needs to know that. And if you will read it, if you will come to, to an awareness of it, if you will trust God as you read that, you'll make at least three discoveries that will change your life, change your destiny, change everything about how you view Scripture. Uh, it, it'll, it will set you up for success with God is what it will do. So for the next few minutes, I want to talk about these three discoveries that you'll make if you take the Old Testament seriously. First discovery is this. You'll learn how to live righteously. You and I learn how to live righteously when we read the Old Testament. How is that, you say? Well, if you look at the Old Testament, it starts... In the beginning, in the garden, right? It was where everything was pristine, everything was wonderful. I mean, it was literally paradise on earth. It was, God, it, was, it was the world and the universe as God designed it to be before Adam and Eve teach us who to listen to and who not to listen to. That's the first lesson of the Bible. Who should we listen to? Should we listen to the serpent? Hmm... I mean, it couldn't be more basic. It's like it sets up from, you know, chapter, you know, chapter 3. You, you read chapter 1 and 2 about the creation and everything. You get to chapter 3, and this is the undoing of everything that God, God uh, set up. And the first lesson is, okay, don't listen to Satan. He is bad. He is real. He wants to destroy you. He's real. I mean, this is the beginning of the Bible, Okay. First thing, right out of the chutes, we learn, listen to God, not Him. We, we, we read on. You get to chapter 4. We see, start seeing the fallout of listening to evil. One of the first transgressions apart from the initial sin. You remember Cain does what to Abel? Does, does he lie to Abel? No. What's he do? Kills him. I mean, we go from 0 to 120. Boom! I mean, it's like from, from like paradise to violence. Just like this. And not just violence, but deceptive, sly, I'm setting you up kind of violence. He says to his brother, let's, let's, go, out, let's go out in the field. I mean, this is, this is the nature of sin in us. And God wants us to see that. That if sin like that can happen that quick from paradise, guess what? None of us is, all of us are vulnerable. None of us is, is bulletproof when it comes to sin. We learn how to live righteously and the consequences of not quickly on this. We learn if we read our way through the Bible, we learn faith from Abraham. We learn faithfulness from Jeremiah. We learn courage and obedience from Moses. We learn that scheming isn't worth it. It never ends up the way you want it to from Jacob. We learn from David that devotion to God is, is paramount in life. And there are consequences even for those who are fully devoted to God. There are consequences if we give in to sin. But God is forgiving. 
God is merciful. We learn that from David. We learn from Job the, how to understand suffering. I could work my way through uh, countless Old Testament characters, but we learn all of these things from the Old Testament. And it's all useful. It's all applicable because it's life that we all live. We learn from the Old Testament about Israel and how God relates to nations. And in fact, I would add this, how he wants to relate to nations, not just Israel, but the way he relates to Israel is how he wants to, it's his dream for relating to every nation on the planet. He wishes that every, every political leader, that every national leadership group would read the book, you know, the, the Old Testament and learn from their mistakes and successes and relate to him appropriately. Part of the reason that they and others of the Old Testament, I think, someday will receive a double portion, a double reward, is because they didn't know. And they took it on the chin pretty hard sometimes, if you read your Old Testament. Why did that happen? Well, it's also why they'll sort of get extra blessing. They're the older brother. Some of you have older brothers, sisters. Know what happened? Younger brothers and sisters. You watch them, the mistakes they made, the consequences they suffered. And if you were wise, you didn't repeat those, right? You you learned from their successes and failures. And the reward you received was the benefit of having an older brother, older sister. And the pain that you avoided consequently. Israel, the people of the Old Testament, they're the older brothers, the older sisters. We're the younger ones. We're the recipients of their learning, their hardships, their suffering. We have less excuse before a holy and righteous God. This is all stuff that we we could learn if we just take seriously the Old Testament. Of course, when you read on in the Old Testament, you don't have to read very far and you get to the Ten Commandments. The basis, the single most significant basis for morality and a just society ever written Anywhere, ever, any religion, any political or any legal code that you can imagine, Hammurabi's or pick any of the any of the ones out there. All of them have their little points. But what you notice is what's significant about the ones that are not biblical, the, the parts of them that work, is because it's echoing stuff that's right here. The basis for a moral and a just society is the Ten Commandments. Can I remind you, if you undermine the Ten Commandments, what have you done? And you're an anarchist. You have just empowered yourself. And you have just created chaos. Irredeemable chaos. The Ten Commandments are right here, friends. Have no legal system apart from that. There's nothing like the Old Testament when it comes to helping us to learn how to live righteously. Every one of us needs to read. We need to know our Old Testament. It will help us live righteously. Because it's not just about society and all those other people out there. It's about me. It's like help me to learn what is right and true and 
how to be prepared and equipped to live the way God wants. And, that, and, and the entirety of the Old Testament is useful for that. But there's a second discovery that you and I'll make if we take this Old Testament seriously. It'll help us to, to learn how to avoid judgment. It'll help us to avoid judgment. Now, I recognize that in, in our day, we don't want to think about judgment. <clears throat> we, we prefer to believe that it doesn't exist. We just want to ignore it. Uh, we don't want to spank our children. We don't even like time out, some of us, uh, anymore. And, and the reality is, you know, culturally, we will, get, we will reap what we sow. If we, recognize, if, if we take the posture that there is no consequence for transgression. But the Bible, Old Testament, makes it really clear that there is judgment and that it is coming, and it's coming for everyone. The day is coming when we'll stand before a holy and righteous God, every one of us. And, and I just want you to see some of this. But, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to another New Testament passage, okay? So you got your Bibles. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Come on, I want to hear pages turning. Grab one in front of you, your own. Come on. Uh, you can follow along on the screen, but don't cheat up there. I like you to see it in your Bible. First uh, Corinthians chapter 10. It's important that you see it's not stuff I'm making up. This is right in Scripture. I want you to listen to what this passage has to say about all kinds of stuff that's in the Old Testament. First Corinthians 10, you there? Verse 1 is where we're going to start. Listen to, uh, listen to this. I don't want you, want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. And let's pause right there. Because, so what's it talking about? It's talking about, this is referring to the Old Testament. It's referring to Israel when they're wandering in the wilderness. Remember that? They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years uh, because they'd sinned. And, and so things were not going well for them most of that time. And so the Bible, this is what this passage appealing to, an understanding of that. If you don't know that, you know, some of what we go on to read, you know, you, you would say, wow, what, what is that? Well, he explains it for those of us who maybe don't know. Goes on and says, all of them, our ancestors, were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them. And all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food. All of them drank the same spiritual water, for they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. I wish I had time, but I would. this is one of those instances where Christ shows up in the Old Testament, and it's, and it's spoken of right here. If we had time, we'd go back to the Old Testament, walk through several passages. Because sometimes we have this idea, Jesus doesn't show up until you know, Matthew you know, chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2. And these, but he's been around since all of this started. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, Jesus. So he's speaking of. He's been around from the beginning. So it goes on and says... You know, in verse 4, it's talking about that. But verse 5 continues, Yet God was not pleased with most of them. And notice what, what happens. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now, this is like where the passage begins to get painful. And some of us, it's like we go into, ah, because we're so judgment-averse. But look, let's look at verse 5 one more time. Yet God was not pleased with most of them. Let me translate that. He wasn't happy. He wasn't showing them grace. The grace was turned off, and he began to bring judgment upon them. 
and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. And verse 6, it, just, it starts talking about what happened. These things happened as a warning to us so that we would not crave evil things as they did. Remember the older brother, younger brother analogy a few moments ago? So that we would not crave evil things as they did or worship idols as some of them did. As the scriptures say, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking and they indulged in pagan revelry. We must not engage in sexual immorality as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. Nor should we put Christ to the test as some of them did and then died from snake bites. And don't grumble as some of them did and then were destroyed by the angel of death. These things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. I just think that's significant. This is a passage worth underlining, worth, worth taking note of because we live at the end of the age. I mean... It, if the end of the age began when 1 Corinthians 10 was written, how closer to the end of the age are we today? A couple thousand years closer. So it was written for us to learn from their example. And the point of a passage like this is that God wants us to understand that there are consequences for behavior. He's telling us this in the New Testament. Of course, the Bible, the Old Testament just communicates that over and over and over God doesn't really want any of us to suffer the consequences of his just wrath. And that's why he tells us this. It's not, you don't have to look at God and say, oh, he, he's never going to judge anybody to understand that he's compassionate. What you have to do is recognize that, no, he tells us ahead of time, I, I am going to judge these things. I've done it in the past as a prophetic illustration that I'm going to do it in the future. We've got a little window of grace here where everybody can get on the grace ship. But the fact is, the Bible would teach us that judgment is coming. We have to be aware of just wanting to think about Jesus as Jesus who forgives. Jesus who teaches us to turn the other cheek. Jesus who is mild-mannered and meek and emaciated and permissive. And all these kind of things that has become the view of him in our day. Because here's the third discovery that you make when you, if you take seriously this whole matter of how to live righteously and you look at how God deals with judgment in the Old Testament, you, you suddenly begin in our generation to understand a third discovery by taking the Old Testament seriously. And that is how to understand Jesus. If we don't understand the Old Testament, the truth is we don't understand Jesus. We, we make Jesus into our own image, what we would like for him to be. We're not taking him seriously for who he really is. The Old Testament is the only Bible that Jesus ever read. It's the only Bible he ever read. It's the only Bible he learned from, the only Bible he believed in, the only Bible he obeyed and trusted and memorized and quoted constantly throughout his ministry. When Jesus went to VBS, he learned about Noah and the ark. He learned about Sodom and Gomorrah, Genesis 19. He learned about Nebuchadnezzar and... Israel's disobedience and that they went into 
bondage, Babylonian captivity for 70 years because of the consequences of their sin. And and that was then he learned that Nebuchadnezzar, God had this whole relationship with Nebuchadnezzar, the the pagan king, but God humbled him. Read about that in Daniel 4. He becomes like a wild animal. He goes crazy, literally. You read the Bible, he lives for seven years in the wilderness like an animal. Grows fingernails that are great big old long, like people you've seen on TV sometimes or in the Facebook, you know, like the great he becomes like an animal. Like a vulture, if you read read the text. It's just it's just astonishing. And then God grants him his sanity back. He reascends the throne, which what's the likelihood of that? But that's God showed him mercy, even him. Learn about the Israelites getting snake bit in the wilderness, on and on. These are, this, this was Sunday school curriculum for Jesus, BBS curriculum. You know how Jesus came up with the golden rule? Leviticus 19.18 says this, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, and then read the rest of it out loud with me. But love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. He knew Leviticus. That's the part that we like to skip when we're reading the Bible. I mean, it's kind of right there with the genealogies for some of us. You know, we kind of, we kind of want to zoom past that. Jesus was very intimately familiar with Leviticus 19.18, which just makes this whole point. Love your neighbors, yourself, the golden rule. He didn't make it up out of his head. Obviously, he's God in flesh, so he, in one sense, did. But that's not the point. The point is, I mean, he, in his flesh, I mean, he, he learned the scriptures and learned obedience because of them. From the Old Testament, Jesus learned how to live righteously, how to avoid judgment. You know, the, the, the Jesus who says to the woman caught in adultery, you know, after... after just saying, all of you who are without sin, you throw the first stone. And they all drop their stones. And he looks at her and he says, you woman, where are your accusers? And she says, there are none. And he says, neither do I accuse you. Remember she, what he says, now go and sin no more. And Jesus meant that. He meant that. He's grace-filled. But he understands that there are consequences for sin. And he tells her, don't, go, don't, don't keep on sinning or this will not go well for you. Tells another man who's lame. Jesus heals him and says to him, um, go and, and change your lifestyle. Sin no more lest a worse thing happen to you. Why would Jesus say such a thing? Because he knows, he knows how to live righteously. He knows how to avoid judgment. And he's reaching out to the guy and trying to help him, trying to appeal to him. Don't continue the path that you've been on. Jesus summarized his view of the Old Testament and his personal calling this way. 
in the New Testament. Matthew 5, verses 17 and 19, uh, 17 through 19. These verses, you know, this is, these are flyover verses. You know, we're living flyover territory here in Kansas City. You know, people who are headed to the West Coast, they don't drive through, they fly over. You know, people who are getting to the teachings of Jesus, they fly over these verses, okay? They're, they're here. They kind of read them. They go, just fly right on. Don't take very seriously what he says. But you and I need to take this seriously because Jesus says, verse 17, don't misunderstand why I have come. Implication. It's possible to misunderstand why he's come. And apparently, it's a high enough likelihood that he takes the opportunity to tell us to not misunderstand. So don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish, or some translations say fulfill, their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. Have heaven and earth disappeared yet? No. That's a ridiculous question, isn't it? Of course it hasn't. Which means that the Old Testament is not irrelevant yet. Okay? It's, it's not irrelevant yet uh, until its purpose is, is achieved. So it goes on, verse 19. So if you ignore the least commandment, and teach others to do the same, you'll be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is just trying to speak to his followers then, his followers now. And he's saying, I'm not teaching anything different. I'm not modeling anything different. I'm not nullifying or abolishing anything here. What I'm doing is I'm coming to fulfill scripture so that you have a chance at standing in the presence someday of a holy and righteous God, washed, cleansed, forgiven, and experiencing mercy, the absence of condemnation, experiencing joy and love and all that God intended from Genesis 1.1. I'm just coming to make that possible so imitate me, and you can become great. You become, can become important in the kingdom of heaven, he's saying. And if what he's saying is true, if what Jesus is saying is true, now think about that. We need to read and know the Bible Jesus read. The Old Testament. And the New Testament, of course, as well. But we need to be familiar with the Old Testament. Will the Old Testament raise some questions in your mind? Yes, of course it will. You'll wonder about some of the Levitical laws. You'll wonder about some of the sacrifices of doves and lambs and bulls and other stuff. And um, you'll wonder about circumcision. You'll wonder about some of the things God lets people get away with when you read the Old Testament. Because you'll think, why did he let them get away with that? And then other things that he like clamps down on really hard like right now. And it, you just go, Woo, why did he do that? Evidence that he thinks of things a little differently than we do. Just all of that is. But if you and I will 
learn all of that and more. It'll pave the way for John 3.16 John 3, and the verses preceding it and after it making more sense than it's ever made in our lives. It'll pave the way for Acts 15 and the book of Hebrews and the book of Revelation and numerous Old Testament passages like some of the ones we've read and others having meaning and insight and transformational properties for your soul and mind that just can't happen in the same way without the Old Testament. And it'll prepare you and me. It'll equip us for doing the good things that God planned in advance for us to do. So my question for you is this. Will you commit yourself to reading this book? I just want to challenge you. I mean, there are plenty of Christians in our day who are trying to be advocates for Scripture, advocates for this, and they never read the book. Will you not let that be you? Read this book. Read the Old Testament. Read the New Testament. Absorb it. Reflect on it. If you don't have a Bible that you can read and comprehend, take the one in the chair in front of you. If you need a large print edition of that, we can help you with that. We don't have them in the chairs, but we can help you with that. I mean, get a Bible that you can read. Uh, If you prefer to do it on your computer, you say, I I would rather do it on my computer. Go to BibleGateway.com. BibleGateway.com. No spaces. Every translation of the Bible out there. So why I would prefer to use it on my tablet or my phone? Well, it's like I would prefer Evian to Dunsani water. If you would prefer, you can get an app. There are apps on your phones nowadays. Some of you are familiar with this. All of you are. You just download a version app. There are just all kinds of Bible apps out there that you can download. Download one of them. What's wonderful about the version, Y-O-U-Version, Y-O-U-Version.com. What's really nice about that particular version is that they have all kinds of Bible reading plans. And you can just pick one that kind of grabs you. Don't get bogged down in the plethora of Bible reading plans they have. That would be like saying, we're going to have a prayer meeting, and we're going to sit and talk for 60 minutes about prayer, and then pray a breathe a 30-second prayer. Okay? That, don't, don't get bogged down on the plan. Pick one and read. Pick one and read it. Because when you and I do that, it's going to help us to experience... God. His word will guide us. We'll take his word seriously and commit ourselves to loving it and knowing it. We'll come to understand him better. His word will enlighten us. And we'll come to know God, not just know about God. His word will bring light and life to all of us who receive it, all of us who know it. So let's be readers, let's be students of the Bible, the Bible that Jesus read and obeyed. You'll be glad you did. We're going to have a wrap-up prayer here. And before before we do that, we want to just pray for you about all that kind of stuff. But we have uh, uh, one of our ministry partners who's here that's leaving tomorrow. And uh, uh, Jeremy and Beth, would you guys come on up here, please? Uh, They're... Here they headed back to North Africa. They've been around all summer long. They kind of started, they've been staying with family here and seeing a lot of churches, a lot of people that have been 
supporting them, but uh, they started the summer with us when they got home, really, and we're kind of ending it here. And I just want us to pray for them uh, as they head out to North Africa. You guys come on up here. And uh, we're blurring your faces. This is, who I, this is who I affectionately refer to as John and Jane Doe. And you'll hear me do that most of the time, but this morning I'm calling you by your real name. Same. So anyway, I want us to pray uh, for them and uh, just ask for their family, uh, God's richest blessings and provision. Because, and I want you to think about this. I mean, they're going halfway around the world to make this available to people who don't have this. And, um, and would suffer horrible personal physical consequences in many instances if they were found to have one of these, some of these people. And uh, I mention that in part because sometimes we take things like baptism rather casually. We take having a Bible rather casually. Uh, This is is a big deal to God. And it needs to be a big deal to us. And so my prayer is that you'll just keep praying for him, that you'll pray for other ministry partners. Um, Adam and Misha, are you here? I can't. I'm looking around trying to see if you're here. They may. They might have been able to make it today, but they they're leaving this week too. But uh, be praying for them as well. But let's pray for you guys. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, and just if you feel comfortable doing it, just ask you to just kind of reach out your hand like this. And if you feel uncomfortable, that's all right. God knows. But just just reach out your hand like this, and let's just pray for God's blessing on this uh, this family and their parents and uh, their kids and so forth. And then we'll be dismissed. And if you have prayer needs of any kind, we'll pray for you afterwards. All right? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for uh, your faithfulness. And thank you for Jeremy and Beth. Thank you for their love for you, uh, their commitment, uh, not just to uh, words of affection for you, but the commitment of their lives and their presence in making you known uh, in places where you're not known. Ask God that you would be with them, that your, your presence would go with them, that you'd walk into rooms with them, that people would, uh, would sense your loving presence wherever they go. When they open their mouths, whatever language they're speaking, they would hear the grace of Jesus, that they would hear the favor that you have for every person that they lock eyes with in, uh, in that whole North Africa region, wherever they go. Just pray for that, Father. Pray for your anointing on them, your protection from evil for them, Father. Ask that you'll continue to empower their language skills. I pray that you'll protect their children, that you'll help them to just grow naturally and and learn all the things that they need to learn in order to be successful in the years to come. And just pray for for health, wellness, wisdom, strength, empowerment. Most of all, we ask for your presence. Because where you are, um, evil flees. And when it doesn't flee, it submits. And uh, God, I just pray for that for them. And uh, I pray for their families. I I know they've both got parents who are staying behind. And uh, worry for them and are concerned for them and hope for them and pray for them. But just pray, Father, that you'll be near to them as well. Minister to them and strengthen them. God, we do ask that your word would go forth. And that your power would be present. And that your spirit would call the lost to Jesus. Who is the most inclusive God in the world. You want every person to be saved. 
everyone. It doesn't matter to you what they grew up believing. It doesn't matter if they're rich or poor, they're white or black or green or anything else. You just If they breathe, Jesus died for them, and you want them rescued. And so, Father, would you bless them and bless their influence? And, Father, I pray these things for us because, God, you know the world in which we live. We need your presence, your empowerment. We need your blessing. We need you to go before us and with us that your word might go forth and that people who don't know you might discover you, that your intentions for them are good. And God, we just want to help them know. Father, thank you for every person who's here today. Help us to, to learn and absorb and obey your word. We know apart from you, we just can't do that. But with your help, all things are possible. And we know the world would be a better place if this world functioned underneath your rule, your reign your word. Go with us now, fathers, we head out. May your uh, spirit be with us. It's in Jesus' name we lift this prayer. And everybody agreed with me and said, amen, amen. Bless you guys.